It was probably only a few seconds that they rode the tunnel, but it felt like an eternity. Finally, the three friends found themselves deposited in a dusty heap. The hole above them closed over, leaving them in near darkness. Hi, we're glad you're here. Welcome to another exciting episode of The Scribbler's Story. Jasper, Mitchell, where are you? Down here. Huh? What are you doing on the ground? Oh, I'm gonna feel that tomorrow. Me too. Me three. Oh shoot! Get up, you two! You're crushing the poor guy! The boys scrambled to let the rabbit get up where he was pinned underneath them. Sorry, champ. Didn't see you there. Yes, terribly sorry. As their eyes adjusted to the dim light, the children were able to make out the tunnel around them and the rabbit that had broken their fall, looking considerably scruffier than a minute ago. Oh, geez, this is great. Just my lucky day, isn't it? I had just washed this robe. What in the blue blazes are you doing here? Yeah, um, we followed you in the tunnel. Yeah, there was a whoa and then a whoosh. And then a pretty big thump, I think. Yes, I realize that, but what I want to know is why. Why in the world would you do something like that? You really shouldn't be here, you know. Look, you seem really worried, so he threw caution to the wind and did what felt right. At least she admits it. Yeah, well, now I have three more problems to worry about. Not to mention, I'll probably be sore for the next week. Again, so sorry. As a grim reminder, the bell sounded again, this time much louder, seeming much closer. Hear that? The bell has been rung, which means danger. No time for chit-chat. I wish you hadn't followed me, but now that you're here, I don't suppose I should leave you alone in the tunnels. Agreed. Follow me, but no dilly-dallying. The rabbit scampered off down the tunnel, and the three friends gathered their resolve and followed, as another dong of the faraway bell reverberated toward them. As they followed the rabbit deeper down, a zigging and zagging through a maze of tunnels, they started to notice a strange smell. Do you guys smell that? Smell what? I don't know, like, barbecue. Oh, I could go for a bit of a barbecue ray about now. A big old burger with a fat slice of cheese, oh yeah. I smell it too, but more like a campfire. Kinda like burnt toast, maybe? Strange. No lollygagging. Keep up now. As they neared the end of the tunnel system, the smell grew stronger, and hazy, dim light became a foreboding red glow, until finally they stumbled into a much larger cavern, a valley of green meadows in the bottom of a massive canyon. If you had been there with them, I expect that your jaw would have dropped at the sheer size of it. 
The canyon walls stretched up immensely high on either side, casting a deep shadow. But there was still a jagged stretch of sky visible way above them, and some light could reach the valley floor. In the middle of the meadow was a massive structure surrounded by a low stone wall like a medieval fortress. The stately building had a tall central section that spread out extensively on both sides, supported by buttresses and dotted with dozens of windows, balconies, and spires. A few smaller buildings sat around the main one, and a large square bell tower sat in the main inner courtyard, just within the walls. The single large bell continued to ring out loud and long every minute or so. Behind the main building rose a tall, thin tower, reaching high above them and disappearing into the edge of the cavern's shadow. The kids could sense that this place was very old and had a sense of reverence about it. It would have been quite beautiful, I think, on almost any other occasion. But today, it was quite alarming. The elegant building was engulfed in flames. Um, guys, I think I know what that smell was. Oh no! This is worse than I could have imagined. The children looked down upon a mass of chaos. Fur and smoke and noise. A huge bear stood in the middle of the courtyard in front of the building, barking orders. Animals, in all manner of simple clothing, charged this way and that, wielding buckets and containers full of water. The children stood shocked for a moment before a shrill voice snapped them out of their days. Look, you really want to help? Yes! For canopy's sake, I hope I don't regret this. Well, don't just stand there gawking like idiots. Grab a bucket! The three kids jumped into action and joined an assembly line of animals. Smoke billowing out and hanging in a cloud several feet above their heads. Voles scurried underfoot with small containers, water sloshing out the top as they jostled. Rabbits with larger pails of water, an elegant stag manning some sort of pump station, filling buckets, and small battalions of robins and thrushes holding large pieces of cloth in their talons, dipping them into a large cistern and then flying up towards the topmost spires of the library, almost out of view, and throwing the wet fabric down on parts of the smoldering shingles, hoping to smother the fire and prevent it from spreading anymore. As the children jumped into action, they were met by wide-eyed stares. Animals kept their distance, but soon they had recovered from their shock and the children and the animals fought the fire side by side. (music) 
After 45 minutes of fighting the fire, the blaze had subsided, and a weary quiet hung in the air, mixing with the last tendrils of dissipating smoke. The three friends sat on a circle of stones in the front courtyard of the great library, feeling the ache in their arms and backs now that the adrenaline had worn off. Next to them was their rabbit companion. All the other animals were hanging back and gawking at them, trying to look busy, but making little attempt to hide their fascination, some of them whispering furtively. Chloe looked over at a pair of deer, picking lettuce from a small garden nearby, and they quickly looked away. As soon as she turned back to Jasper and Mitchell, though, she could feel their eyes on them again. They're like deer in headlights. What? Oh, nothing. Listen, we never properly introduce ourselves. I'm Chloe, and these are my friends, Jasper and Mitchell. I'm Plumtree. Really? Huh, how funny. Excuse you. It's a very dignified name. A great honor among rabbits, I'll have you know. Ignore him. It's very dignified. So, what's up with everyone else? They're staring at us pretty intensely. You can hardly blame them. You're the first humans we've seen in well over a hundred years. It's not a regular occurrence, especially after the last time. What happened last time? Oh, well, that, that's, all, that's all ancient history. But the Forest Council has a long memory, and some of them do tend to hold a grudge. Just don't go drawing attention to yourselves, okay? Chloe opened her mouth to respond, but was stopped by a look of terror that appeared on Mitchell's face as a huge shadow loomed behind her. He squeaked and slowly raised a hand to point above her right shoulder. A deep, rumbling growl came from behind her. Chloe's heart pounded in her ears as she whipped around to face two beady black eyes and a dark brown snout. Then, the enormous animal stood up on its hind legs. What is the meaning of this? That's it for this week. To all you scribblers at home, we want to say thanks for listening, and we can't wait to see you again soon for another episode of The Scribbler Story. Please remember to subscribe and share widely with your friends. Till then, 